10 to 1, episode 62. Books 2017. Welcome to 10 to 1, a podcast where we make top 10 lists about everything. I'm Brian Kozer. And I'm Melissa Kozer. And a subject near and dear to our hearts, books today. We are going to be talking about all the books that we read in 2017 and Mm -hmm. the top 10 of those. Yeah, let's see. I uh, didn't count. Let's see, I did count books I reread, I think. Well, I definitely that. counted books that I reread. Yeah. Uh, no, maybe I didn't, but that's okay because they, none of them would have made my list anyway. <laughs> so maybe I did, but none of them made the list. Okay. Well, some, <laughs> so. some might have made my list. Yeah, that's fine. And I didn't include any graphic novels, although I have a prediction Whatever. that you did. <laughs> Whatever. That's graphic fine. novels That's fine. count as books, okay? They can certainly count. I'm just saying for for the reading goals that I make, like no, like I like reading graphic novels too, but for the reading goals that I make and for these podcasts, I don't count them. That's all I'm yeah, saying. Well, Brian and I have gotten into this argument a couple times now about whether comic books count as actual books, and I say just look at the title, comic, what? Comic books. Interesting. Interesting. Like a matchbook, for example. Shut up. <laughs> anyway, so uh, <laughs> uh, I don't think there's much more prelude. We'll talk about statistics and stuff at the end. Yeah. But uh, I think we can get right into the tens. Yeah. Oh, did you want me to try and predict what might be on your list? Or would uh, that so, be stealing thunder? Yeah, let's not read out. So I made predictions too for your list. Yeah. How about as they come up, we'll say, oh, I, I did predict that. I didn't okay. predict that. That way okay. we can still keep the surprise. Sounds good. All right. So my number 10 is my Tim Powers book of the year, my favorite living author. And it was The Stress of Her Regard. No, I didn't, pick, I didn't predict this one. Yeah. Well, you know, I like Tim Powers, though. So if if I had had the uh, if you had seen the author next to it, you might have picked it. Uh, so I actually didn't know that. I didn't know you liked him. What else has he done? Oh, uh, well, I talked about him last year because last year I read the Anubis Gates, oh, which is my favorite yes, book of never his. Mind. Yeah, yeah. So this one's not as good. Let's see. Uh, for my Tim Powers ranking, uh, this one's actually toward the end. Which, if you've never read Tim Powers, he does secret histories. So he'll take real historical events. There's usually some uh, some strange real life events. Maybe uh, things didn't get recorded in history very well, or you know, real life just has weird things happen. So he'll he'll read a ton of history, and uh, he'll come up with some of these events that he wants to tell a story around, and then he'll invent some sort of backstory. And it's always something supernatural. Usually tries to explain multiple different things with supernatural explanations. And uh, it's always fun. His are always good. Uh, Anubis Gates last year was really high on my list. Uh, Stress of Herregard, only number 10, but still number 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it still made the list. Um, the Secret History 
and this one is really strong. So he ties together um, uh, Keats and Percy Bysshe Shelley and Lord Byron and uh, their poetry, a ton of their poetry, and vampires, uh, some things with Christianity, some things with an Italian secret society, uh, some other uh, real-life people that interacted with them, and real-life locations, and it's pretty crazy how he ties it all together. I was going to say, this sounds like such a bad recipe. Oh, yeah. It it does sound like a terrible recipe. Um, uh, His characters are good. Um, not his his strength is never really in his characters. It's more in in uh, the uh, the settings and the inventiveness of of the story. Um, and I I had that feeling where a lot of times reading it, I didn't quite know what was happening, what was, or I knew it was happening, but I didn't quite grasp what was going on. It seemed like there was a hidden layer of meaning just just beyond the tip, beyond my grasp. Uh, and that's not a bad thing. Um, but it was just, it was so, so big. Like there are so many things, um, so many events. It almost felt, I kind of thought it felt a little bit disjointed. Uh, it almost felt like some of his others a little bit, uh, like sort of multiple short stories. Maybe it's one of those books that has new meaning every time you read it. Yeah, no, if I read it again, I would definitely, I think, pick up more on it. Um, and I guess it's just because he goes with real life history. Uh, real history doesn't always have a, a firm beginning, middle and end. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's still Tim Powers, an okay book from him. Uh, like I wrote my review is still better than most other books that I'm going to read. Uh, so it's my, uh, fourth favorite of his right now, fourth out of five. And I gave it four and a half stars. Uh, if you're going to go check out, uh, Tim Powers, for the first time, I'd still recommend Anubis Gates or maybe Declare if you're in for more of a spy uh, spy book. Uh, but yeah, if you've if you've read a couple of his and enjoyed them, I would recommend you pick up The Stress of Her Regard. Or if you're into romantic poetry, that's this is also something maybe you'd be interested in. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> well, I like romantic poetry, but I don't know that I'd like all that that you said oh sorry by romantic poetry i meant like byron and shelley and keats the yeah. the romance era so just a, just as a clarification not just like love poems ah the period of of poetry yeah, never known mind. as the romance period <laughs> <laughs> so yeah no you will uh we'll read uh tim powers together sometime probably anubis gates i'll read that one with you sometime okay all right, well, my number 10, uh, I'm not sure if you'll be surprised or not by its presence. My number 10 is Augustus, Quar- Augustus Carp Esquire, by himself wow. being the autobiography <laughs> of a really good man. I did pick this one from your list, uh, so not completely surprised, but a little bit surprised. <laughs> yeah, uh, boy, I hate this book. And I love it at the same time. I don't know that I'll ever read it again, but it's a four-star book. So, in case you hadn't figured it out by the title, uh, this guy is really full of himself. Uh, Picture everything odious about humanity uh, encapsulated in one man. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, so he's this really fat, uh, not nice looking guy, uh, just a stuffed up prig, and grew up kind of having the world handed to him. Not quite on a silver platter, but uh, expecting the world to be get handed to him on a silver platter at least. And he's always the righteous one and everybody else mm -hmm. is always wrong. And right. he calls himself a Christian and he's such a Christian that <laughs> he won't even defame the name of Christ by writing it down. So he writes Extian. Right. Instead of Christian. Or goes to theaters just so he can stand up in his seat when the movie or the play starts. And I guess it's probably yeah. a play. Yeah. Throw when, pamphlets and, and yell at people yell that they how, shouldn't be there. Yeah. They're, they're living sinners. in sin. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's really awful. You're cringing the whole time at how awful this guy is. And yet you can't help but read the page and turn it to find out. Can he get any worse? Mm -hmm. And sure enough, he can. <laughs> uh, and it's got a, a good ending, I'd say. Well, well, you just got to read it. You'll just have to read it. <laughs> <laughs> it is a four-star book. And I think I think everybody would enjoy reading it. It is, it is pretty funny. So that's my number 10, Augustus Carp Esquire. Nice. Yeah, uh, so my review for this was... Uh, to, just to make a list of the top five literary characters I wanted to slap. Uh, number five, Henry Waugh from Universal Baseball Association, Inc. J. Henry Waugh, proprietor. We'll get there. Number four, Bellwether from Dimension of Miracles, book I talked about last year. Number three, Mr. Collins from Pride and Prejudice. Number two, Augustus Carp Sr. Number one, Augustus Carp Jr. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah, four stars for me as well. Uh, it's definitely one one you want in, in small doses, but it's a it's a very funny short book, so check it out. All right, my number nine is the first Stephen King book I've ever read, and that is The Gunslinger. Yeah, I thought this would be on your list. Mm -hmm. By the way, I have I looked through your list of books, and I came up with about twelve that okay. I thought might make the cut. Okay. So this is one we'll of them. see how it goes. Yeah. So uh, first book in the Dark Tower series, which I'll continue this year. And yeah, it's it's not. I, I haven't read any of his other books, of course. Uh, I venture to guess that this is less horror than uh, most of his other books. It's a fantasy Western. There's definitely some horrible things that happen. But uh, it's good. It's very, very interesting characters and very interesting world. These built sort of a post-apocalyptic uh, Western kind of feel. And uh, yeah, I'm interested to see where it goes next. I don't know that I have um, a whole lot more to say about it. Uh, Melissa, I don't know if you'd like this one or not. I think you should. I think you should read the Give first it a one. Try. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, I think. Uh, uh, so uh, one thing I'd seen was that Stephen King describes himself as a heart writer rather than a head writer, and uh, I think I think that's a pretty pretty spot on. Um, and I definitely got that feel of uh, sort of this is a very old story that maybe I'd been told before, 
and now I'm rediscovering it. That's if you cool. know what I mean. Yeah, like uh, if you've ever gotten that from like uh, uh, King Arthur or, yeah. or Robin Hood, those kind of stories. Uh-huh. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think it's not something probably that I would have enjoyed uh, maybe like in high school or before, but yeah, it was good. I liked it. Check it okay. out. That is The Gunslinger, my number nine. Five stars. All right. My number nine. So last year, we read together a book called Three Men in a Boat by Mm. Jerome K. Jerome. (laughs) And this one is kind of, if not the sequel, it's it's a homage to that book. And it's called To Say Nothing of the Dog or How (laughs) We Finally Found the Bishop's Bird Stump. (laughs) And so this was a four-star book for me. I actually realized I never did get around to writing a review for it on Goodreads. Hmm. But basically, it's got time travel in it, and the main character uh, ends up going and interacting a little bit with the three men in a boat uh, from that story. But then it's, uh, it just, he kind of passes by them at one point. Uh, but he, uh, interacts with that time period and it's kind of set with the same sense of humor things keep on going awry and what could go wrong now and it's it's a fun book uh i do think it gets caught up a little bit in uh some jargon Hmm. uh space-timey wimey stuff but true for the most part uh i think it's it's pretty fun pretty solid so that's my number nine to say nothing of the dog yeah. by Connie Willis. Yep. Yeah. No, that was a really good one. Uh, barely missed my list. Also four and a half stars uh, for me. And yeah, it's uh, definitely in the same vein as as to say nothing of the dog or I mean, uh, three men in a boat or if you've read PG Wodehouse, also very reminiscent of those stories. Yeah. And uh, yeah, a lot of fun. Very good book. And uh, yes, I also picked that one to be on your list, so I'm two for two so far. All right. My number eight is the 1,000th book that I read. Read this for the... uh, Ah. Yes, the uh, reading goal. Chose this one as the final book for that goal, and it's The Republic by Plato. I was kind of up in the air as to whether this would make your list or not. Yeah, I mean... It's not it's not a page turning fun right. adventure read, definitely. But um I don't know. I don't know. It's just uh, so many really interesting things that he talks about like what is justice and just spending pages talking about what that concept is and you know like it seems when you first read it, you're like well it's obvious what it is. But uh and the more he talks about it, the more you think, okay, how would I actually define this? How would I actually define some of these things that he's talking about? Um, he talks about are, are unjust people better off than just people? You know, if you just ignore the rules and do whatever you want, are you better off? Um, talks about what's the ideal uh, structure of the government. Um and uh, especially of interest these days has some uh, a lot of negative things to say about democracy. 
And so, um, yeah, so many things he gets into. Very interesting. Um, definitely five star classic. And uh, I guess it's the so uh, I guess we'll kind of talk about it as we uh, go through the list. But of the let's see, one, I'd say maybe five or six classics that I read this year. Um, it's the lowest one that made my list, um, but uh, still had to make it for uh, all of the interesting, challenging things that Plato got into thousands of years ago. Crazy uh, that he wrote a book in ancient Greece that we're still reading and studying and being challenged by today. So good job, Plato. High five. Nice. Did you pick this one to be on my list? I know you said you were. You were unsure, but it was it in the 12? Yeah, it was okay. in the 12. There you go. Good job. All right. Well, my number eight is a book. I don't know that how we came across it, but may, I guess we got it in one of the many book sales that we've been to. Uh, if it's what I think it is, it's been on my to-read list since high school. I don't know where I heard of it first. Okay. It's Master of the Five Magics. Yep. Oh, man. Yep. Am I that predictable? <laughs> I just remember you saying you really liked it, and you were surprised yep. how much you liked it. Yeah, I I really did like this a lot. I gave it four stars, and um, it's kind of surprising that I liked it that much because mm. it is kind of standard fantasy. Okay. Uh, but one of the things I liked about it is uh, the book shows rather than just tells. Mm. And uh, one of the stronger points of the book, I think, is that the main character rises not because of it being his fate to do so or, or, you know, whatever, like most fantasy novels have it be, but more because he determines to keep on trying to do his best. Hmm. I get into more detail on my review on Goodreads, so you could go check that out. But uh, I don't want to really give any big spoilers or anything. But Mm -hmm. it's a good, solid book, and I would recommend checking it out. Master of the Five Magics. Cool. Yeah, whoever recommended this to me probably 10 years ago. Good job, whoever you are. (laughs) A book by Lyndon Hardy. Yeah, maybe I can check this one out in the next year or two. Finally get it off the to-read list. This this one, boy, this is one of the books that's been on there the longest. Uh, Silmarillion, Master of Five Magics. It would be interesting, actually, to look look back at my to-read list see and see what's been, what's been on longest. there longest. Those are both up there for, for longest, I think. I once started reading Silmarillion, and I didn't get all the way through it. Yeah, one of yeah. these days, I'll do so. Same here. I had to take back to the library before I finished it, so... Now that we own it, I guess I don't have any excuses. You've got plenty of excuses. (laughs) Two of them are our children. (laughs) Well, true. All right. uh, Let's see. What are we on? Seven? Yeah. Number seven for me, another Greek classic as I made my way through uh, those those old Greeks. And it's the Oedipus Cycle. Oh, yeah. I predicted this to be on my list. Yeah. So uh, it's three different plays. Antigone, Oedipus Rex... And, oh, well, I guess I'll put it in order. Oedipus Rex. Uh, boy, what was the order? It was Oedipus Rex, then Antigone, then Oedipus at Colonus. And 
yeah, uh, the most, the thing I was most surprised about these was how modern they seemed. Hmm. So uh, last year I read uh, Aeschylus. I don't, I'm sure I mentioned him if it, I don't remember if it made my list or not last year, but uh, this is just 50 years after and it's surprising how much more modern the plays feel. And like uh, to me, and I'm obviously not uh, a literature a great judge scholar, of, yeah, uh, of plays of any sort, but it seemed closer to Shakespeare than to Aeschylus, uh, who was almost uh, almost two thousand years later, right? If not two thousand years later, uh, so uh, instead of fifty years previous, right? So uh, yeah, really well done. Um, the uh, the story is about uh, Oedipus. He's the king, and uh, if you know anything about Oedipus or uh, the word Oedipal or Oedipus complex, then uh, you know that the tragedy of his life was he accidentally killed his father and married his mother. So uh, yeah, pretty bad. And uh, so uh, knowing that. And then the play, the first play is about him finding that out. And so the whole time, the tension just keeps ramping, ramping, ramping. And then he finds out and uh, he's not happy, let's just say. (laughs) (laughs) And then um, the uh, second one is about his daughter and uh, how she... um, is taking care of her father and how she interacts with uh, the basically the government that took over when her father was no longer king. Um, that one was actually my favorite of the three. And then the third one um, is uh, father and daughter uh, living um, in, in a new location now and just sort of finishes off the story. But uh, yeah, uh, check it out. It's, it's a, I mean, it's kind of, it's a messed up story, obviously. Yes. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. It's uh, it's a classic. <laughs> what can I say? <laughs> and it is very well written. So, uh, well done, Sophocles. Well done. And, uh, yep, one of the. In fact, let's see. Uh, yeah, this was my favorite of the Greek classics that I read this year. So. Uh, that's my number seven, The Oedipus Cycle by Sophocles. All right. Well, my number seven. So you read a classic and I read a classic this year. And uh, here's where I start to get flack from you because okay. I only rated this classic a 3.5, but it is higher than some of my four-star books. Interesting. And that's because I recognize that it is a more brilliant work. Okay. And the novel is Dune by Frank Herbert. Yeah, yeah. I actually did think you would put it on your list, although I did remember that it was a (laughs) 3.5. You'll have to... (laughs) Well, it's not not a super enjoyable book. Like, I I did enjoy it, but it's not not candy, let's say. Agreed. Uh, The first time I started to read it, I didn't finish it. That was, like, five years ago. Yeah. But it has an interesting plot and characters. Um, mm-hmm. My interest was uh, 
more though in the world uh that he has yeah uh most of the book takes place on the desert planet arrakis or arrakis however you pronounce it i'm not sure and uh what was really fascinating to me was how the desert people mm-hmm. survive and not only that they thrive on this planet Mm-hmm. So they've learned how to conserve their body's moisture, how to really get the most out of every last scrap of moisture. Uh, and then when somebody dies in their tribe, uh, you know, the human body is made up, what is it, 70% is water or something uh, like that? 80%. Maybe. Yeah. And so they have found a way to drain the water from the body and then they distribute it among the tribe and i know that sounds Mm -hmm. really gross uh but it's actually really clever uh and then there's these giant sandworms which you had told me before about the sandworms of (laughs) dune that they made your list in uh top 10 mythical creatures yep and i was like okay yeah those sound those sound kind of neat Mm-hmm. Uh, but I I didn't fully understand, and yeah. then you got you just got to read this book yep. to fully understand <laughs> how incredibly cool these creatures are, <laughs> and uh, and terrifying, mm-hmm. just massively awesome. Uh, and yet the sand people have mastered these creatures as well, and that's way cool. Uh, so just. All the detail that he goes into on his on this world and uh, the desert people's plans for it. Uh, that was what was really fascinating to me. Hmm. So I might check out more books in this series. We'll see. Um, yeah. It's not high on my list of to-do, but mm-hmm. my to-do list, but I might get around to it. So that is my number, what are we on, seven? Yep. Dune by Frank Herbert. All right. Yeah. So <laughs> my I'd seen your review and I was reading through it and I was just noting, noticing. Oh, honey. Uh, different. No, no, no. No, different segments. Let's not share this with the public. Review, like uh, interesting plot and characters. Favorite parts. Fascinating. In the tradition of Tolkien. Like, oh, she really liked it. I'm so happy. And I noticed three stars. 3.5 but goodreads doesn't do half stars that's true well 3.5 rounds up to four mathematically so maybe you can update that later <laughs> uh but yeah yep i talked about last year when i read it very good very good book okay on to my number six and i think this is the so, I guess it's an interesting question. I was going to say my only non-fiction book. I don't know if The Republic of Plato counts as non-fiction or fiction because it's all philosophy, but he does do it by having uh, sort of fictional characters, real-life people, but different people have dialogues, and they didn't actually have those dialogues, right. so I guess that counts as fiction... But it definitely feels like nonfiction. Anyway, can I guess? So this one is my nonfiction entry, number six. Yes, you can guess. Is it Who's Afraid of Classical Music? Uh, no, even oh. though I, I did really like that one. You gave that one four stars. Yeah. yeah for that, sure this is good. Nope, there's a five-star nonfiction book. And it is called Surprised by Hope. Oh. Rethinking Heaven, the Resurrection, and the Mission of the Church by N.T. Wright. 
Yeah, I forgot that you really liked it that much. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, if you've never heard of N.T. Wright, he's an Anglican bishop. I think he's a bishop, former bishop. And he's been called the modern C.S. Lewis, uh, sort of uh, a very clear writing style, um, you know, well thought out, sort of, I guess you could say for the layman rather than uh, just for the uh, theology student. And uh, yeah, it's, it's very, very interesting, uh, no matter where you are on the spectrum of christianity what denomination you are uh it's it's pretty interesting uh he uh, i'll I'll, i won't get too much into it but uh basically he sets his book up as the counterpoint to the view of that uh so some people will say the focus of christianity is going to heaven when you die if you ask someone what's what is um what is christianity all about they would say uh go to heaven when you die and he uh, sets himself up in opposition to that view. And uh, it's really interesting. Uh, this is one I want to read again, definitely think through uh, different points. Uh, I agreed with some of the things he, he wrote, uh, disagreed with some things, of course, but uh, definitely one to make you think. Uh, definitely some very interesting things about um, eschatology and uh, uh, some different things about um, heaven versus uh, the new earth, new heaven and new earth, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I think uh, I think you should check it out, Melissa. Okay. I think, uh, if you're a Christian, this is uh, a good one to check out, and uh, yeah, it's it's definitely one to uh, make you think about uh, maybe some things you've always just assumed or or never even really poked at maybe yeah. with Christianity. So. I'll give this one definitely two thumbs up, five stars. Uh, Surprised by Hope by N.T. Wright. That's my number six. All right. My number six is a comic book. I know I see that sneer beginning to curl your lip. I predicted on your list, so I can't be too upset. Indeed. Well, I like comic books. Well done, (laughs) comic books. And one of my favorite series is the Astro City Mm-hmm. comic series yep. and uh this year i read books three five six and seven and my favorite of those was book three called family album have i read this one yet i don't think you have okay so i won't get into too much detail about it as always it's uh got a bunch of short stories hmm. um that uh for the most part May have a few overlapping characters, but mm-hmm. uh, they, they're not, like, central to each other's plots. Um, but each... One of the things I really like about Astro City is it explores aspects of superheroes and supervillains that uh, people don't always think about. So, mm-hmm. usually most comic books are... Follow Superman as he beats up the bad guys, or maybe gets beat up by them for a little bit, and then ultimately good triumphs in the end. Mm-hmm. Well, this is more. What about the the common man? Mm-hmm. Uh, what's his life like while Superman is beating up on the bad guys? Right. And what happens to him when Superman crashes through his his living room wall as he's fighting the bad guy, or something like that? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think my favorite story in this. 
<laughs> in this book, although it's ch- chock full of good ones. Mm-hmm. My favorite one was about a cartoon lion that comes to life, which sounds mm. really dumb. Uh, <laughs> but, oh, man, the author and the cartoonists, the, or the, the comic drawers, whatever, mm-hmm. they did such a fantastic mm. job with this story uh, because it explores the idea of, you know, this was just a, a cartoon character uh, in a happy little co- cartoon but suddenly, he's brought to life in the gritty world. Mm-hmm. And how do you deal with that? He still mm-hmm. looks kind of like a cartoon. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's, you know, in a world of superheroes, true. And so he's not that much, you know, not, not a huge... Right, not like it would be uh, for us, quite. Right, but still he weird. still sticks out. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so he's, it's how he deals with being alive now. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's a really solid book. I encourage you all to go check out the Astro City book series. <laughs> uh, my number six family album. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, I didn't put these on my list, but I read the second one in this series, second collection, uh, second volume. Also very good. Yeah, probably my favorite. Definitely one of my favorite uh, comic book series. And uh, even if you're not into comics or uh, graphic novels or superheroes still still might be one you're interested in uh my dad actually picked this up while they were visiting and uh boy he probably hasn't i i wager to say he probably hasn't picked up a comic book in i don't know 40 years probably something like that (laughs) i didn't Uh, know he had read these not something he's interested in he read the first volume yep actually uh started reading it and uh took it home and finished it wow because he was uh he thought it was that interesting so uh yeah, so even for someone, there. yeah, it's uh, you know, there's always books that transcend their genre. Um, I think this is one of them. You can enjoy it even if you're not into into superheroes, superhero comics. Very good. All right, number five for me was uh, another classic. I'm trying to remember why I picked this one up because you know I'm sort of going through the classics chronologically ish. Like I'm I'm working through some Greek classics right now why did i pick this one up not sure because definitely definitely a lot later on it's called frankenstein a modern yeah, prometheus i knew this would be on mary shelley list. you might have heard of it possibly uh <laughs> it's um, on my to read list yeah yeah you should definitely definitely check this one out uh it's i mean i knew that it was not going to be like the monster movies I knew Frankenstein wasn't, or I should say the Frankenstein's monster uh, wasn't just a, a moaning, uh, lumbering creature. Like he actually talks, for example, uh, like a person does. But I don't know. It still, <laughs> it still uh, was more than I expected. Um, the first third of the book is a little bit boring. Um, the, uh, the prose of the writing, very flowery, um, the, it, some of the characters are really overly melodramatic, pretty much all of them actually. (laughs) Um, and it was still an amazing book. I, I cannot fathom that a, uh, teenager for this book, Mary Shelley was, I think 19 when this book was published. 
mm-hmm. which is crazy. I'm pretty sure this is this has got to be the best book ever published by a teenager. Uh, I mean, uh, all of the kind of un I didn't think it was super interesting for the first third, but all of that setup was necessary. Um, the characters might be a little melodramatic, but that's okay because it's not. It's more of a book about ideas than about characters. And um, if you, I think if you go into the book expecting, not expecting like a, uh, a horror monster book, then, uh, you, and you're just expect, you have the right expectations of, um, it's a little bit slower and it's about um, uh, some different questions about humanity and uh, things like that that get explored. I think if you go into it with that in mind, I think you'll enjoy it. Uh, you specifically, Melissa, but okay. uh, our listeners as well. Uh, I think that as far as classics go, this is one I'm I'm pretty comfortable saying. Uh, a lot of uh, most people, I think, would enjoy it, uh, given the right expectations. So, yeah, uh, Melissa. Definitely, you should check this one. I think you should read this one uh, this year. This year? Okay. I think so, since uh, you read uh, a similar similar book this year, uh, similar time period. Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if there's uh, too, much more, too much more to add, uh, except I will say I did do an audiobook for this one, and that might be the best, the best, uh, the best way to do it, because even for those slower points... The audiobook keeps you going through it. You don't get slowed down at those points. Okay. So, uh, yeah. I uh, really liked Frankenstein's monster. Really liked Frankenstein. And uh, I will just leave you with the quote that knowledge is knowing that Frankenstein is not the monster. Wisdom is knowing that he is. Nice. I yeah. like that. Yeah. <laughs> so yep it was uh made my list at number five frankenstein all right my number five is kind of a guilty pleasure okay it's a book that i first read when i was somewhere between 12 and 14 years old and i just thought it was the greatest thing ever mm. And since I have grown to realize it's not the greatest thing ever, but I still kind of love it anyway. Okay. Can you guess? Uh, Wheel of Time book? Yep. Uh, The first one? Yep. Yep. Eye of the World? Yes. So I read through almost the entire Wheel of Time series Mm -hmm. this year. I had read all of the books previously, uh, somewhere between 12 and 14, and... just thought it was an amazing series. Well, that was as a teenager. Now as an adult, I reread them with uh, a more enlightened mind. I've seen seen more of the world, seen more of what good writing is. And I won't say this is the greatest <laughs> series ever anymore. Uh, but Robert Jordan does build a pretty big world and uh, pretty well. Uh, I re- realize he riffs a great deal from... Uh, J.R.R. Tolkien, and mm-hmm. I sort of feel bad about that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Interesting. <laughs> and and in fact, this first book just parallels true uh, the Fellowship of the Ring so much. But all the same, I still really like the book. It starts out. It follows every. It's kind of got everything I like about fantasy all wrapped up in one book. So it's a young nobody who sets out on great adventures, uh, maybe with a band of friends, and they are pursued the whole way, and and you always wonder, are they going to survive this next encounter, and how are they going to survive? Uh, sometimes they get split off from their great protector, and you're wonder- wondering, oh man, uh, he's a nobody, he doesn't have any skills, how is he going to survive now? And somehow by wits or by luck, maybe a little bit of both, he he manages to fumble his way through. <laughs> and uh, it's, you know, it's one of the books about the ongoing fight between good and evil. Uh, it's never going to be, I don't think it'll ever be one of the great books ever written, but I really like it a lot. And uh, I, I like the, just the world that Robert Jordan built. Uh, I think... Several of the later books are rather lacking. And in fact, it isn't until I would say the last book is the one that I enjoy almost as much as Hmm. the first book. Hmm. All the others are a little bit less, even though I might have rated them at the same amount. Sure, sure. But uh, the last book is where uh, the pacing picks up a lot better. Hmm. Uh, I mm-hmm. think Robert Jordan, for a while, started to enjoy his world too much, and <laughs> he just started to slog through it instead of uh, gallop through it. <laughs> uh, but this first book is is pretty tightly done, and so that's my number five: Wheel of Time, The Eye of the World. I would I would recommend people check it out. It's not a great book, but it's a good one. You don't have to check out the rest of the series. Uh, if you do, sure, uh, you, you're welcome to read my reviews, see what you think of hmm. each of the books, but the first book at least is, is worth it. Now, I didn't get around to reading book eight this year because <laughs> for some reason the library just has not been able to get their hands on it. I've had a hold on it for several months now and still haven't been able to get that book, but all the others in the series, 14 thick books. I read. <laughs> cool. Yeah, I I read the first one in college. I liked it, but it was definitely overhyped to me because it was described to me as yeah. uh, Tolkien on steroids and just, you know, the greatest book ever. Uh, and I liked it. I was planning to continue the series and just never did. I, I'm not going to at this point. But yeah, uh, if you like fantasy, uh, it's a classic. At this point, I guess. Oh, so you, can you can live vicariously through my, my reading. How about that? Yeah, I'm definitely... You seeing, had fun reading how, my my reviews. Like, the stack of 13 books is probably taller than you. Those are some <laughs> thick books. <laughs> you <laughs> Just might think be of right. how many books you could have read. Uh, let's see. Just think of how many... Uh, I well, know, I really example. wanted to... To review, <laughs> I know, I'm and just giving you a hard time. see it through adult eyes now. Fair, fair. 
All right. Um, well, I I did pick that one for your list, and I I did also pick that you'd only put one of them on your list. Yeah. So I'm what uh, was that six? I'm six, or that's your uh, five. So I'm six for six. I think uh, I think I might have gotten all ten. We'll have to wait and see. Probably. Definitely out of order so far. I. Uh, Do you think this would be higher? I thought Astro City was going to be higher. Oh, okay. So, uh, and there's a couple. There's two. Uh, two that I predicted that I thought would be your nine and ten that you still haven't mentioned. Huh. So uh, getting nervous, are we? So those could be a lot higher than I than I thought for you. We'll see. Uh, so my number four is a short story compilation, and I was telling Melissa earlier I continued our tradition uh, where I will uh, read at least one book that we will then also watch the movie of that year. And uh, this is the one. So it's called Stories of Your Life and Others. One of the short stories was adapted into the film Arrival, which uh, made my top 10 movies list if you listen to our movies episode. And uh, yeah, Uh, so in in this, it's called uh, Story of Your Life. And it's pretty much the same thing as uh, the movie Arrival, if you've seen that. It's a pretty good adaptation. Uh, and then, uh, so I, I really liked that story, of course. Uh, there's some other really good ones like, uh, 72 Letters, which is, uh, sort of, uh, golem folklore. If you're familiar with the golems, the Jewish, mm-hmm. uh, clay man. Yes. With, uh, uh, paper Scroll. with words stuck yeah. in their head. Uh, this takes that, puts it into a Victorian sci-fi setting. Really good. One of my all-time favorite short stories. Uh, I'll have to check that out. Yeah. There's... Yeah, you should definitely... uh, This is another one I have on ebook. Or on a... Not ebook. Audiobook. uh, So you can listen to this one if you like some time. I I think you'd like it. Uh, There's... Well, we'll get to that. Uh, (laughs) There's one called Understand, uh, which is just... It's just a a really common uh, sci-fi story uh, idea of a human gaining super intelligence a regular person gaining super intelligence that's been done over and over but uh he just takes it and writes a really top-notch story about it uh there's one in there called tower of babylon and uh did you ever hear the story of the tower of babel when you were a kid and it says that they were building a tower to reach up to heaven and you thought it meant that they were literally trying to build a building that would get up to, you know, heaven where God is. Yeah. Yeah. I think we probably all thought that as kids. Uh, whereas it, it seems like what they actually want to do was, you know. Uh, Just to have a very strong focal point for everybody. To right. To Either like build it to hot, heaven as, a, as an astrological kind of thing or, or as built a to heaven to as yeah, a monument or as a in your face kind of thing. Yeah. Well, this story is what if. They were actually building a building to go up to heaven. <laughs> it's really cool. Uh, it's a really cool story. Uh, there's another one called Liking What You See, a documentary. It's uh, set up as a documentary. And the idea in this one is, what if we could flip a switch and not see human beauty? Would that be a good thing or a bad thing? And so it's huh. it's really great how it 
uh, takes you back and forth as you're reading it. At first, you're thinking it's a good idea. Then you think it's a bad idea. Then you think it's a good idea. Then you think it's a bad idea. Huh? It's really well written. Um, I really want to read these now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the hairs. Uh, a few more. There's three others. Uh, I mentioned my favorites, uh, but uh, really good short stories. It's pretty crazy that this was uh, the first published work. Uh, by this guy. It is uh, Ted Chang. And uh, apparently he hasn't written anything that hasn't been a hit so far. I'm definitely f- looking forward to, to checking out more of his books, more of his writings. But uh, yeah, a really good short story compilation if you're into uh, science fiction at all. Definitely give this one a, a look. Give this one a read. Yeah, uh, best Best uh, series of short stories I've read in a long time. So oh, that's my number four. I want to. I think I want to read that this year. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You. Uh, you should definitely check out some of the audiobooks that I have. Yeah. For sure. All right. Number. That was my number four. Stories of your life and others. All right. My number four is a book that we read together this year. So Uh-oh. three of the books that we read uh, together this year. I think we only read three. Yes, we only and, read three. And uh, this is the other one that we read, Jingo by Whoa. Terry Pratchett. So as Pratchett books go, it's it's an okay book. It's not one of his greatest. But as you've said before, okay by Pratchett is really good. Exactly. <laughs> so this story is about two neighboring countries, which up to this point had, you know, gotten along pretty peacefully and not had any problems with each other. And then all of a sudden, a landmass appears out in the ocean between them, and it's right smack in the middle between them. And both countries are laying claim to it, and it's a worthless piece of rock. But <laughs> it's all about laying, saying, this is ours, just for the sake of it. And suddenly, the two countries are at war. Mm. And just like that, Pratchett goes about parodying... Uh, humanity's tendency to flare up over nothing uh and he his satire and critique of of humanity is always interesting mm-hmm. uh fleshed out of course with all of his cast of fun characters yep. samuel vimes being one of them the oh, patrician yeah. havelock gretinari <laughs> being another <laughs> and of course there's knobby knobs and sergeant sergeant colon yes yes <laughs> Colorful characters, a lot of them. Yep. So that is my number four, Jingo. Nice. Uh, I didn't think this one would make your list, actually. I, I'm, I'm not really surprised, but cool. I didn't know you liked it as much yeah. as you did. Well, I am surprised that it's this high. I guess. All right. Well, it's such a clever book. It is. It is. Almost all of Pratchett's stuff is just so clever, so fun to read. All right. My number three, my favorite classic of the year, and maybe the funniest book I read this year. Definitely up there. Funniest book on my list, that's for sure. It's Don Quixote. Uh, yeah, I knew this would be on there. <laughs> and yes, uh, I couldn't believe how funny it was, for one thing, uh, for a 400-year-old book written in Spanish. <laughs> uh <laughs> It's okay. So the story is about uh, Don Quixote. He thinks that he is a knight, sort of in the old uh, King Arthur style Tradition. of knights. Yeah. 
uh, roaming around and doing good. And uh, this is, uh, what, the 1600s? These uh, knights don't exist anymore. They haven't existed for a long time. But he's read so many books, he thinks he's won. He just travels around and has different misadventures. Of course, the famous one is with the windmills. He thinks they're giants and uh, goes charging at them on his horse. And uh, yeah, uh, it's really funny. Uh, it's, I guess, a a parody on books that were popular at the time about chivalry, about, about the knights. And uh, apparently it killed off the genre. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, well that's done. pretty impressive. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> just him making fun of them and then uh it's also really interesting some of the meta fiction stuff he gets into and this is the one thing i keep coming back to with this book uh so uh cervantes wrote the first book first volume of uh don quixote don quixote goes out on adventures uh first by himself then with sancho panza his squire and uh they they have some misadventures getting some scrapes and eventually uh, don quixote gets carried home by his friends and kind of imprisoned at home and and forced to stay there and hopefully they can talk some sense into him the mental asylum essentially yeah and so that's how the first one ends a few years after uh he wrote that it was popular enough to where some other guy decided to write a an unauthorized sequel there's no copyrights at the time of course so he just makes up his own story about don quixote running around doing things and uh, apparently not very well written obviously didn't have the permission of cervantes and so 10 years after the first volume cervantes writes another uh just as long uh the second ride of of don quixote uh which if you get the book now they're both combined into one volume uh, which is why it's so long it's a thousand page book um, but in the second book, the first book that he wrote exists as a book in the story, and also the unauthorized sequel exists. So Don Quixote is going around and people are recognizing him. Oh, I read the story about you. And oh, I read this other story about you, this sequel. And he gets upset and I never went to those places or did those things. And uh, <laughs> it's 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 really, really interesting. Uh the first modern novel, I guess. So groundbreaking, um, still holds up today. Uh, and, uh, yeah. Wow. Tell me that I one. I I I enjoyed it that much. That one thing that you were telling me about how, uh, the demons <laughs> yeah. are, are playing with the book. Yeah. I'm trying to even remember exactly how that part goes. There's like, uh, toward the end of the second book, there's uh, one character who says she had a dream uh, about hell and there's demons. And uh, do you remember I told you they're like... They're like playing kind of tennis or something with, with yeah, the book, sort of hitting it back and forth. With the sequel, the unauthorized yeah. sequel. Yeah, and just like ripping it and saying how terrible it is. <laughs> so he literally wrote a scene where demons are bad-mouthing... <laughs> This book, <laughs> this other guy wrote, it's great. So, uh, I I suggested Frankenstein earlier. I would recommend this one too, but it is a thousand pages, so it's hard to recommend anything that's a thousand pages to someone. 
Um, but even if you just pick it up and read, uh, just read a little bit of it, it's it's pretty well broken up into short adventures. So even if you just read, uh, you know, a few of the chapters, uh, I think you'd enjoy it. And uh, it was it was my favorite classic of the year. That was my number three, Don Quixote. Okay, my number three is uh, a classic that I finally got around to reading. I've been meaning to read this for a very long time. And it is J.R.R. Tolkien's yeah. The Fellowship of the Ring. Yeah. Okay, so. Well, I'm happy you put it above Eye of the World, but I'm a little <laughs> surprised you put it above Eye of the World. Aww. Did you just well, feel obligated? No, I recognize that this one is okay. uh, far superior to Eye of the World. Cool. Um, and I did really enjoy reading it. Uh, it's not it's not as much candy as Eye of the World is for me, sure. but this is kind of a meat and potatoes book. <laughs> it's it's really solid. Still, Tolkien would have loved it's that. a it's a good steak think, and mashed potatoes. You I know, think he would have liked that description. And so it it's still something that you really enjoy, but you you sink your teeth into it. You don't just suck on it. So uh, I had seen the movies first. I I'd, I'd heard about the Lord of the Rings uh, growing up, but I didn't. I wasn't really interested. And then one year, my brother brought the movies, and we watched them, and I just fell in love. Uh, and I'd always heard the books are better. No, the movies are better, <laughs> and. So I finally went and read the first one so that I can compare them. Mm. And I like them both equally, uh, but uh, in different ways. So uh, one of the perks for the movie, I think, is that it feels more urgent, uh, which I think is a little more, Mm. a little better suited for such a desperate quest. Hmm. But... uh, the scene, some of the scenes in the book that they cover in the movie, I think, are better done in the book. They felt they filled me with greater dread. So when they're climbing uh, the mountains of Caradhras, and mm-hmm. uh, it just keeps on getting harder and harder for them to go forward, and yet it seems like they can't really turn back either. Uh, they're just gonna die up there on the mountain. That the build up for that was even better than the tiny little blurb they give it about it in the movie. And then the Mines of Moria. Oh, man. <laughs> Especially the gates of Moria, you know, where the, the Watcher of the Pond mm. it, it comes out and attacks them. Le- the, the moments leading up to that where I know this is going to happen. Mm-hmm. And even if I hadn't known it was going to happen, you feel that there's something wrong. Huh. And they they need to get out of this place where everything is just too still. Uh, so uh, the book had some really solid parts like that. Uh, further, I feel that it it better fleshes out Boromir and Aragorn. I don't think the movies did them justice yeah. at all. Yeah, true. Uh, especially Boromir, but I think Aragorn too. He's He acts so much more kingly in the books hmm. than in the movies. And I can say that having obsessed over the movies and, and <laughs> seen them many times, I think I like him a lot better in the books. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, four stars for me. Um, it's not a, movie, a book that I'm going to read very often. I might not ever read it again. But 
it was a very good read and definitely if you like if you like the if you're like me and you've never read the books before you need to go read the books hmm. okay if you've seen the movies but haven't read the books go check them out my number three fellowship of the ring four stars huh I guess when you said Tolkien-esque for Dune, you meant around four stars. That's what you meant by Tolkien-esque. <laughs> Man, you read maybe maybe at the most two books that were five stars for you? Not a good year for reading, it sounds like. No, if it's, bad. look, if it's three or higher, I liked the book. And yeah, but. I'm content with that. All right, all right. And look, uh, the what was it, my number 10? That was a four-star book. I had 3.5 was my lowest rating. Okay. And that was only one book. All the rest were four and above. It was Still. a solid year. Still. We'll see. I don't know. <laughs> uh, all right. Yeah, I'll have to read those again. It's been uh, it's been since high school, I think, since I've read Lord of the Rings. So someday I'll break those out again. But my number two that I did read this year is a sci-fi book. It's... All right, I'm not going to drag it out anymore. It's Hyperion <laughs> by oh, Dan yeah. Simmons. Yeah, I knew this one here. And, and high up. And wow. Oh, man. If you like science fiction at all, if you like uh, smart fiction with good characters, uh, if you like world building where you get an idea of a location of a setting only in bits and pieces as you read from the perspective of different characters. If you, uh, if you're familiar with the Canterbury Tales at all, and if that uh, structure appeals to you at all, where you have a bunch of people on a journey, they're all going to the same place, and they uh, all together are taking turns telling stories. Uh, that was another thing I really liked about it. Uh, if any of those things sound good to you. Uh, you should definitely check this book out. This is one of my favorite science fiction books of the year, but also ever. This is this was a really really good book. Uh, man, I don't really want to. I don't really want to get into the plot too much. Uh, so I'll just say that each of the different characters uh, tells a story. Uh, it's technically not a collection of short stories. It is a novel, but basically it's it's a bunch of short stories by characters. They're all uh, all related. They're all connected. They've not met each other before, but they're all connected to this place that they're journeying to. And uh, some of the stories are exciting. Some of the stories are really touching. And, oh man, uh, yeah. I really, really liked it. <laughs> I'm for sure checking out the sequel uh, because if there is one uh, downside, if there's one complaint I have about this book is that I thought it would be a self-contained story and it's definitely, it ends and it's nowhere, it, it's not the end of the story for sure. You're, you're cut off, not in the middle of a scene necessarily, but... If this book were just by itself, it'd be a very disappointing ending. However, knowing that there's a sequel that continues the story, uh, really looking forward to reading that. And wow. Yeah, I uh, man. Uh, I think this was uh, Dan Simmons' first book as well. 
really really want to read more of his is and uh wow yeah favorite uh new author of the year ah. man yeah i feel like i'm not saying very much concrete about the book but you don't want to give out spoilers I, yeah i don't want to spoil it and uh there's just so much that happens since there's so many different stories that are being told uh it would be hard to hard to comment um anyway even if i were talking spoilers so wow uh Thumbs, 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 thumbs way up for this book. <laughs> Five stars for sure. And uh, I mean, this could this could possibly be top 10 favorite books. Uh, I liked it a lot, a lot, a lot. So that's my number two, Hyperion. All right. Well, my number two is one of my two five-star books from this year. Okay, and so there's three books still here. Which one got left off? Oh, man. Is it a nonfiction book? Yes. Okay. So, yeah. okay. It's the only audiobook that I listened to. It's my first mm. ever audiobook, actually. Oh, wow. And it was Mere Christianity nice. by C.S. Lewis. This is a really, really good book. Very interesting. Hmm. Uh C.S. Lewis has such a gift for taking theology and breaking it down, discussing it in ways that, first of all, you can understand, but also in ways that you hadn't really thought about before. And while I didn't agree with everything he said, that didn't lessen my enjoyment of it all the same. He still, you can still see how he, how he thought about certain topics and how he could have come to that decision that he had made about that topic. Hmm. And if you're going to only listen to people or read books by Christians that you completely agree with, then that's very narrow-minded of you. (laughs) Uh, You need to uh, chew the meat, spit out the bones. Mm -hmm. If there's something you don't agree with, Uh, That doesn't mean that you can't still enjoy the book. And I Mm, really recommend that every Christian read this book. It's uh, it's just very solid. And uh, it'll make you think. And maybe even challenge you in some areas that you hadn't uh, thought really needed uh, any dusting up. So that is my number two. Mere Christianity. Whew. All right. Well, I, I felt like I was really gushing over Hyperion. All right. Can I guess what your number one is? Uh, you already did. You want to say it, though? Yeah. Go for it. Oh, when when did I guess your number one? Well, I mean, you wrote down your, your guesses. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I, I all the others, by process of elimination now, uh, I told you I had about 12. Sure. sure. Yeah. I uh, mean, I know what your favorite, I knew what your favorite yeah. was the whole time. All right. So I think your favorite is Something Wicked This Way Comes. Yes. So I'd read Ray Bradbury, uh, his Fahrenheit 451 in high school. I think I'd read a few of his short stories in college, and they were good. I thought he was good, um, but I don't remember thinking they were amazing. However, this year I read Something Wicked This Way Comes, and this is absolutely one of my fa- new favorite books. Uh, this, this, if we made it ever do top ten books, uh, this one's definitely going to be on it. Uh, so good. Uh, the story, just to give a uh, back of the cover kind of a synopsis, 
Uh, there's a carnival that comes into town, and uh, it's Cougar and Dark's Pandemonium Shadow Show coming to Greentown, Illinois. Man, that sounds horrifying. Yep, yep. And uh, <laughs> it's about two boys that are friends. It's about uh, one of the boys' fathers. It's about boyhood. It's about books. It's about growing old. It's about uh, good and evil. And uh, it's it's creepy. It's exciting. It's fantastic. Uh, it's uh, so well written. Beautifully written. Uh, almost like poetry uh, so many times. Uh, so many good characters. Great moments. Oh, man. You're really wetting my appetite. I mean, I... It, it's... I, I might have to read that this year. I think so. Uh, it, and maybe even listen to it because this audiobook by Christian Rummel, best audiobook narration I've ever heard. Amazing. This guy has a really amazing voice. He does all the characters uh, very well. He knows just how to read it and how to paint a picture with his voice. Man. Uh, yeah. This is... <laughs> this is such a good book. I want to read it all over again or listen Aww. to it all over again. Uh, so This one definitely man. made your favorite books list then. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This one, if we did, like I said, if we did a top 10 books, this for sure would be on there. So, wow. I'm going to have to read some more Ray Bradbury. Uh, I don't know if I'll get to it this year with the, the books I want to get to. But, oh, man, this was uh, such a good read. Really glad I checked this one out. Uh, ah, man, everything works. Like I like the the creepy circus kind of vibe, carnival. Mm-hmm. Um, the tw- uh, Twilight Zone picture, Twilight Zone, but uh, like cinematic and poetic, and ah, uh, man, yeah. So good. <laughs> this is uh, this is a really amazing book. So I don't know who I would recommend it to. I guess if you like books, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, it's creepy, but it's not it's not horror. I wouldn't say, in the sense of, uh, you know, like I don't know, monsters jumping out and eating children or or whatever is in horror books. I'm, I'm yeah. not usually a big horror person, so I don't, I don't really know what it, usually it's not gory, that kind of that kind of horror. It's more creepy kind of horror, I guess. So yes. Something wicked this way comes. Also a great title. That might be my top yeah. ten book titles as well. Uh, so wow. Yeah, you're 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 gonna definitely have to re- read this one or listen to it. Well especially since you know what my number one is. I know what your number one is. Given how much I loved that book, I'm sure I would enjoy something wicked. I think you might. All right. Go for it. My turn to gush. Ah, <laughs> uh, I feel newly in love all over again. <laughs> Every once in a... Okay, so I find a lot of books that I enjoy. I, I think I have a lower standard than you, perhaps. Maybe not. Different standards at know. any rate. Yeah, But it's rare nowadays that I come across a book that I I just just blush and giggle every time <laughs> I think about it. I'm just so in love with it. Oh, man. But that's the wrong description, I guess, for 
a book of this type. Mm. Yeah. My number one, Dracula by (laughs) Bram Stoker. Oh, my goodness. So you talked about how Frankenstein, you shouldn't go into it thinking Hmm. that this is a horror book. Well, I went into Dracula thinking this is a horror book. And boy, did it deliver. So for some reason, I loved this book. And I shouldn't have. It's first person (laughs) accounts, which Hmm. I hate. Hmm. It's about vampires, which is usually a strikeout for me. It has uh, just brief excerpts, uh, which sometimes retell the same thing that a previous excerpt said, only through a different person's eyes, and Mm. I don't really care for that either. In fact, there's another book that did that, and I hated it. (laughs) Several books, actually. So, there's a lot of reasons this book should not have worked for me, but it just works so well. There's a reason it's a classic. It's got masterful storytelling language and plot twists are amazing the characters are people you can you can really slot yourself into these characters and feel like you are part of this story Hmm. and i think that's partly uh why this this is such an amazing book is it doesn't feel like a book it doesn't feel like a story it feels like history uh When you're reading these excerpts, these accounts from people's diaries and journals, it's got newspaper clippings. It's not just, we saw something strange the other night. It's also, so me and my friend were out walking and uh, we stopped at this dainty little diner and had a nice chat with some fellows and uh, then we took a walk along the cliffs, uh, (laughs) gazing out across the beach Uh, across the bay and then we saw something rather odd and but we didn't really think of it too much it just seemed a little bit odd and then we kept on going and and then later on you know they start to see how it all fits together of course but that's part of why it feels like history because it's it's diary entries and Hmm. i don't know how many modern writers could do it this well huh. as Bram Stoker did. He has such an immersive way of writing. Uh, there are some slightly slower moments in the book, but that only serves to fuel the suspense as to uh, whether or not your suspicions of something happening are are correct. And uh, boy, how the how the book begins is. So incredibly awesome. It starts <laughs> off uh, with this guy going to Transylvania out into the middle of nowhere. Uh, and he's going to settle some. He's a estate salesman or estates broker. Uh, he is going to go to uh, this count who lives out in Transylvania and uh, finalize a sale of some some land in England to him. And all the locals are telling him, no, sir, turn back. Don't go out right now. And they're shaking their heads and the poor man. And uh, <laughs> and he's like, huh, how quaint these people are with their, their little superstitions. <laughs> and inside your head, you're shrieking at him, no, you fool, turn back. And, uh, oh, man, he gets to the castle and he's thinking, huh, this is rather an odd place. And you're thinking, you idiot, get out of there. (laughs) And you're wondering, is he going to live through this or not? And 
Oh, I had nightmares from this book. I had to stop reading it at night. This is so, so well done. This is horror at its finest. <laughs> I don't, I don't read very many scary stories. And actually, a lot of stories don't really scare me anymore. Uh, like, supposedly scary stories aren't really all that scary. This one is scary. Even knowing that it's Count Dracula in that castle, even knowing what's coming, uh, you know, that he's a vamp, <laughs> this this old man who seems rather eccentric, even th knowing that he's actually a vampire, the father of all vampires and stuff, <laughs> that didn't diminish my enjoyment of the book one bit. There's a reason this book is a classic, and actually a lot of reasons. And I think <laughs> if you like if you like fantasy at all, then you should read this book. My number one, Dracula. Nice. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. All right. Well, well, well. That was a lot of fun. Let's uh, let's hit some statistics some honorable mentions uh let's see so the uh, so i read 33 books last year uh plus 11 graphic novels good for t over 12,000 pages uh so average uh 281 pages so respectable uh the shortest book i read was the foundling and other tales by lloyd alexander and the longest was don quixote uh the most popular book uh, according to uh Goodread users, most people had read it, was Frankenstein. The least popular, uh, over a million people have read that on Goodreads. Now marked it as read. And then on, uh, for the least popular, there's a book called Undisturbed Rest, which is a, a computer technology book that was well, pretty good. Uh, only 26 people marked that as read on Goodreads. And Goodreads is the uh, sort of Facebook for, for books. I guess, or Facebook for, for book readers that Melissa and I are both on, uh, where you should also join, and we can see what books you're reading. You can see what we're reading throughout yeah. the year. It's always fun. Uh, look us up on there. We'll link to that from the show notes. Uh, let's see. The highest rated on Goodreads that I read was Surprised by Hope. It's uh, 4.3 stars. You already mentioned we read three books together this year, and we talked about all those. And just scrolling through the books I read, let's see, uh, there's a young adult book, Here There Be Dragons, The Chronicles of the Imaginarium Geographica, that my brother Zach let me borrow, and that was a reread for me, and uh, still liked it the second time, reading a couple more in that series. Uh, oh, I did read the first two in that series last year, reading the third one right now. Each Shoots and Leaves, a book about punctuation, and sounds boring, but I liked it. It was a really good one. Let's see, I read The Oresteia by Aeschylus, another Greek classic, and gave it five stars. It's a classic, uh, but wasn't uh, my favorite. Not as good as uh, the others that I read this year. Read The Art of War by Sun Tzu. Not as applicable for nowadays as a lot of people have said, I think, but it was still interesting. Five stars because it's a classic, of course. Uh, next, uh, Earthsea book by Erska. Ursula K. Le Guin, that one was as good as the first, maybe a little bit better. Who's Afraid of Classical Music that you mentioned earlier? Uh, four Stars, that one was a lot of fun for a beginner in, in classical music like myself. Uh, there's a book called The Hike. A, this one is kind of a 
fantasy horror, I guess. And I didn't really expect to like it, especially at the beginning, because uh, like I said, I'm not really into horror, but uh, it was really good. I gave that one four stars. Read The First 15 Lives of Harry August about a an immortal that uh, just keeps, every time he dies, he's reborn. thought that one was really well done in a sort of Groundhog Day type of way. Tortured for Christ about uh, a man who was uh, put in prison by communists. Uh, for being a pastor over in Europe. That one was very uh, interesting and challenging. And uh, there's some middle-of-the-road books that I won't mention, and there were some other books that we'll talk about in a little bit. More to come on those. Yep. So, Melissa, do you have any honorable mentions? All right, honorable mentions. Stuff that I considered for this list were The Sable Queen, uh, Redwall mm. book, Okay. Uh, one of the better ones uh, in the Redwall series, I think. Uh, hmm. And it kind of follows the adventures of some of the, the Dibbons, the Abbey Redwall Abbey babies. Mm-hmm. And they get kidnapped and uh, their struggle to make it back to Redwall. And then another classic that I read was Phantom of the Opera. And... Yeah. Loved the Phantom, hated the opera, uh, <laughs> as I wrote in my review. Perfect. I just don't really care for Raul and Christine. Hmm. I know they're there to help further along the, the plot, but they are such a soap opera couple. <laughs> but the Phantom was amazing. <laughs> I, I gave it three stars, 3.5 stars. Okay. It's, I mean, it's it's okay. It's not a bad book. And then, let's see, my stats for the year. I read 17,071 pages across 32 books. Hmm. My shortest was Augustus Carp, being 136 pages. My longest was one of the Wheel of Time books, Lord of Chaos. It was 1,011 pages. Whoa. Uh, my most popular book that everybody, or like most people have read this book, was Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Five million people have logged that as having read it. Yeah, actually I'd picked this to be as like your number 10 on your list. I thought you liked that one better. Okay. And uh, my least popular, uh, only three people have marked this on Goodreads was the Young Folks Library. And no surprise mm-hmm. there, it's kind of a meh collection of children's stories. <laughs> uh, the highest rated on Goodreads is A Memory of Light, the last book in the Wheel of Time series. Whoa. Oh, yeah. That's higher rated than Fellowship of the Ring and Mere Christianity. Yeah. It's a pretty exciting book, I will say. Interesting. And Dune. Shame on you all. Shame on all of you. <laughs> and let's see. I Another book that I read this year was Doom White. It was another Redwall book. It was so-so. Uh, I gave it three stars. I think one of those was purely out of nostalgia for the series, though. It was probably one of the more boring books of the series. Hmm. And beyond that, I think I've mentioned pretty much all the other books that I've read. One more, uh, I read Pandora Stone, and that was really boring. 
Uh, only we gave it one star. And then the other books that I haven't mentioned yet, I am saving for our... Interesting. Our stinger. Interesting. All right. Well, let's wrap this up. Uh, definitely follow us on Goodreads if you are interested in reading at all. I mean, if you are still listening, I assume you... Love books. Either have nothing to do or you like books like we do. So, uh, yeah, check us out on Goodreads. Uh, we'll link to our uh, user accounts in the show notes. You can go add us as friends there. And uh, you can see our lists uh, by going to tto.cozer.us slash 62. You can also leave comments there. Let us know uh, your favorite books that you've read recently. Give us some recommendations for 2018. Yeah. Uh, you could also email us, tto at cozer.us. And uh, always look forward to comments. Always look forward to book recommendations as well. I can add it to my mountain of books that I <laughs> want to read at some point. <laughs> uh, so definitely shoot us those. Melissa, do you have anything to add? No, I think we've pretty much covered it. Cool. Well then, uh, until next time, I'm Brian Kozer. And I'm Melissa Kozer. And you've been listening to 10 to 1. So, Brian. Yes. What was your most disappointing book of the year and your worst book of the year? <laughs> yeah, everybody's favorite part of the episode. So, I kind of went back and forth. I'll mention a couple for most disappointing of the year. One is the Universal Baseball Association Incorporated, J. Henry Waugh, proprietor. This one was on my list for, uh, on my to read list for a while. And. Uh, it's it's the kind of thing that you think would be made for me. Uh, it's about baseball. It's about mythology. It's about uh, board games. It's about uh, fictional worlds inside fictional worlds. Uh, the blurring of fiction with reality. Uh, it was really weird. It was ambiguous. Uh, it was tragic. Uh, so you'd think all of that. Yeah. I would have liked it. Sounds pretty good, right? Uh, and this was actually a, kind of a difficult book to find. I couldn't find any cheap paperbacks for years. I'd, I'd looked uh, every time we'd gone to uh, Better World Books or thriftbooks.com, uh, checked if this one was on there. Uh, didn't find it for years. Finally got finally found one for a few dollars and read it. And uh, no, very disappointing. Uh, definitely a lost opportunity. Uh, great setup, but um, it wasn't funny at all. Uh, for one thing, and you could definitely bring up a lot of humor because uh, the story is this guy has a board game, board baseball game, board game ba of baseball that he's invented, sort of a simulation where everything is simulated and he's single, he's uh, in his 50s, I think. He just goes from home after work and plays this baseball game by himself. He think It's all he can think about when he's at work. And he's just obsessed with it. And uh, he starts confusing reality and the game. So you could definitely have some humor there. Not not funny at all. Um, there's a really, really weird ending that doesn't make any sense. Um, he starts, it seems like he starts going crazy. And you could do some interesting things with that. But he, the author really doesn't. Um, and then... 
there was a really disturbing part uh, where, uh, so in, in, of course, he's, he's playing these baseball games and keeping all the statistics. He's also making up uh, these players. He's making up their lives outside of their baseball game. He's making up songs about different things that happen. And um, I guess if you have children listening, you can cover their ears or, or turn it down, listen when they're not there or something. But oh there is uh, the characters he makes up. There's multiple rapes that he oh my goodness. basically that he makes up and he even writes songs about it to oh kind word. of celebrate almost. Oh my word. It's just like, I'm not sure what the point is. Like maybe there was like, is it supposed to make us dislike him as the main character or show how in control he is that he can do whatever he wants or show that he's a deviant? I'm not exactly. I don't know what the point was. And, I mean, like we've talked about, there's times when uh, uh, mature content is in in a uh, place. Like Schindler's List is always right. the example I think of where there's uh, nudity and there's violence and um, a lot of really mature things in that movie. But it's used for a good purpose, I guess you could say, if you want to put it that way. Uh, and this definitely wasn't. So, uh, yeah, this book is a swing and a miss. Um, it, I mean, for all that, I mean, it's still three stars. There's some interesting things, but yeah, really disappointing. Uh, don't check this one out. The other really disappointing one, I won't go into this one as much, but, uh, there's a book, uh, that kind of was described as Horatio Hornblower in space. Uh, but nothing happens. Oh, I remember you there's talking no, about this. Yeah, there's no... Uh, uh, it's just a guy on a spaceship. He, he does his job. He works in a, in the kitchen. And uh, he it's a merchant ship, so he gets involved with some of the uh, mercantile stuff. And uh, it's supposed to be a, kind of a boring book where nothing happens, but a lot of people liked it. And I still think that's a really good setup where, um, you know, small victories, small defeats, small stakes. Uh, but if it were, if it were well-written with good characters, it could still be a good book. And this was just, uh, this is not very well-written, uh, apologies to the author, but, um, yeah, uh, stick to, <laughs> Stick to whatever your main your day job is, because uh, not very well written. Um, characters are pretty poor, and yeah, this was really really disappointing. Uh, that one's called Quarter Share by Nathan Lowell. Uh, stay away from that one as well. However, well maybe I'll take a break. I'll let you talk about your your biggest disappointment, and then we can both talk about our worst of the year. So, what was your most disappointing of the year, Melissa? I think I know what it is. Yes, my most disappointing. Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. <laughs> so I had only watched the movies first uh -huh. and uh, liked them. And same as with any book-to-movie series, I thought, I'm going to read the books. And I look forward to it expanding my knowledge of the, the world and its characters. And... This was such a terrible disappointment for me. I'm just going to read my Goodreads review because okay. I feel that 
I said it best there. This book, while an easy and fanciful read, could just as well have been written by a middle school. Harry gets rewarded for disobeying his flying teacher? A great treasure's protection is partially entrusted to Hagrid, the world's dumbest and worst secret keeper. (laughs) Three children beat a series of tests designed by great wizards to keep out all intruders. A child had to have dreamed this up. Yes, I knew what was coming because the movie followed the book to the letter. However, the movie did what the book failed at and added character. We identify with Harry and delight in his new discoveries at school and get wrapped up in the mysteries and terrors of the school. With the movie, it's a delight to watch the actors, and one doesn't even realize they're actors because they seem so real. With the book, I never was really transported from the real world, something a good book does, and I even grew bored several times. Even the book descriptions of some of the scenes fall flat, whereas the movie is glittering and gorgeous. Skip the book. The movie took its rough draft and made a glorious final product with it. Hmm. Yeah. Well, to be fair, you're not the target audience as a... No, no, Late we're not 20s. gonna we're not gonna justify this book at all. Hmm. Everybody <laughs> thinks this is some of fantasy's finest fiction. It's so you don't not. think if you were, I don't know, seven, six well, or seven when you read this? That's the thing, though, is I have really a, liked it, eight. I have a problem with this being marketed towards younger children, and I talk about that in my review as well. Is that uh, there's some darker ideas that are introduced, like drinking blood. I don't think that's fit for children to read about. And then uh, there's dreadful behavior that, that that the children get into. Um, it's kind of passed off as not a big de- big deal. And yeah, we've all done things like lying to adults and disobeying them, thinking you know better than the adults and so forth. Um, but uh, the book doesn't ever say that any of this is wrong. And while a book doesn't, the book doesn't have to be preachy about it, but if it's a book marketed at children, and it is, then it needs to say in some form or fashion, these things are wrong. And the kids never mm-hmm. are, it's, it never comes across that way. The kids are praised up and down for lying, for disobeying, for doing what they're not supposed to. So I I disapprove of it as a children's book, and it fails uh, at being a book for anything other than children. It fails. It just fails all around. All right. Well, my worst book of the year could have been my most disappointing, but I don't want to mention a couple other books for that. This one was also really disappointing, though, because if you remember, we did a podcast episode called... Top 10 authors I've never read but want to. And one of them on my list was John Scalzi, a kind of young sci-fi author who is pretty popular right now. And uh, so I picked up, I don't know, two or three of his, I think three of his audiobooks, and was pretty sure I would like his books because... Uh, I have some friends that have read them and like them, and they're really popular. So I started with Red Shirts, which is supposed to be a Star Trek parody. Uh, If you've ever watched Star Trek, you know that the crewmen wearing the red shirts were the no-name guys that went down on the planet with the captain and Spock and Dr. McCoy. And of course, it's the the no-name characters that die and aren't going to be back next week. Uh, So... Uh, This book is supposed to take that 
and make fun of it. It's about these characters who are on a spaceship and uh, they notice that the senior officers never get hurt and the uh, crewmen of lower rank always get hurt. And, uh, well, I'm going to spoil this book because it's terrible. I would have quit it. This would have been probably the only book I would have quit this year, but I needed it for my thousand books by April goal, so I finished it. Uh, First, let's get the good out of the way. Uh, There's the captain, who's a parody of Captain Kirk, and he was okay. And then there was some interesting kind of meta things, because uh, you find out halfway through that they're actually on a TV show, just like Star Trek. And they find out they're in a TV show. Ha ha, isn't that funny? Uh, There are some slightly interesting things with that. All right, that's the positive. So, uh, first of all, the dialogue is terrible. Characters never sound like real people. Uh, Way too many dialogue tags, uh, which are the he said, she said. So, uh, for example, here's what I put in my review. This is what it's like, Melissa said. Yes, Brian said. The entire book, Melissa said. The whole thing, Brian said. Wow, Melissa said. Yeah, Brian said. Ah. It's terrible. And I listened to it on an audiobook, so that didn't help, because at least you can kind of skim past those when you're reading. When you're reading yeah. But uh, terrible, 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 terrible writing. Uh, also, don't, I don't really like, uh, uh, what's his name? Wesley Crusher. Uh, uh, man, I'm blanking on his name. Will Wheaton. Uh, I'm sure he's a nice guy, but I don't like him as an audiobook reader or audiobook uh, narrator. Uh, Characters, did I mention they were flat? Uh, Pretty bad. If this was supposed to be a commentary on how the secondary characters in a TV show are uh, kind of two-dimensional, then haha. But that was a mistake. Shouldn't have done that with characters. None of them were interesting. Uh, The humor was uh, juvenile and uh, worse. It was obvious, Uh, so not funny at all. Uh, just felt really amateurish. So, uh, man, not at all looking forward to the other books by this author. But I'm going to have to at least start them because I already bought the audiobooks. So I have to at least start them. Maybe they'll be somewhat good, but I have very low expectations now. Oh, I'm so sorry. Uh, John Scalzi is a hack. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, stay away from him. If you've already been suckered in, I'm sorry. But... Uh, yeah, if not, then steer clear. Don't be fooled by the rave reviews that apparently everyone else has given him. So, oh man, like it just makes me angry to scroll through. It just makes me angry to scroll through Goodreads and see five star reviews for this book. Stay away. Stay away from Red Shirts by John Scalzi. Well, speaking of scrolling through and seeing five star reviews for a book series. The book I hated the most this year was Heroes in Hell. <laughs> so there is a bunch of such and such in hell uh, as a book series. Yep. And uh, this sounded like it would be pretty cool. It's mm-hmm. So it's all of the, the really bad dudes down throughout history. You've got Julius Caesar and Che Guevara mm-hmm. and Niccolo Machiavelli. Mm. Uh, they're all in hell and they're all scheming trying to take over hell and, and uh, you know, they're all being their bad selves. 
And uh, I kind of I love crossover. Yeah, I kind of uh, figured this was kind of going to be a new take on hell, perhaps something yeah. like uh, Milton's Hell and Paradise Lost, sure, sure. or even the sort of the bureaucratic feeling that you get from reading the Screw Tape Letters by C.S. Lewis. Okay. okay. Nope. This is just a dreary version of Earth where you repeatedly die. I could go for that. In no, book. no, in that book. is so unimaginative. I could think of that. That's awful. That doesn't kill it for That's me. That's awful. I'm still in checking it out. Just so let's let's just set the record straight. I didn't defend any of the books that you were disappointed in you or that you read hated. Any of the books that I hated. Yeah, and you haven't read these either. But it's already so you on can't my defend read list. Yeah, I'm so not defending it. You are. Well, you I'm are. Defending Free version of Earth. That doesn't sound so bad. I'd rather that than... Let me hate on this book, okay? There's nothing redeeming about it. I didn't even finish it. I got 66 pages (laughs) in, and I slammed the book closed (laughs) with a finality. And I really wanted to toss it. I wanted to throw it in the trash, but I know you really want to read it, and so I kept it. I don't really want to read it, but... It's on your read list. It's on my read list. You keep on defending it. (laughs) I wanted to defenestrate this book. So you think, okay, yeah, Julius Caesar, we're going to read about mm-hmm, him in hell. Mm-hmm, nope. Mm-hmm. Instead, we just follow around a nobody Aww. who has occasional brushes with the big names. Aww. That is we the, don't that care is about this nobody. And uh, the only nods that women get in this book are for grotesque sex. Oh. Yeah. It's really offensive, actually. Thanks a lot, male writers. Well, it is hell. Stop defending this book that you haven't read. <laughs> this is a this is an awful book. Oh. It had such potential. High on my list. That's the thing is that it could have been pretty pretty interesting. Nope, it's it's just a bunch of people putting their twisted minds to work and writing dumb stories that I could do better than them. So, this was the worst book I read. Worse even than Pandora Stone, which was a one-star book for me. (laughs) Which I wrote that Pandora Stone has no business even existing these days in uh, a universe where Star Wars exists and and lots of movies and books about space. Don't read Pandora Stone. It doesn't have anything to add to your ideas and fancies about space travel. I don't know why everybody was praising William Greenleaf for his his efforts about Pandora Stone. It's awful. But nope, Heroes in Hell is worse. Aww. Because it took a really cool idea and just destroyed it. That is disappointing. 